today I am pumped to bring on a special guest. Now he's he's not doing the 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 lead podcasting, the hosting on some interesting topics. We're bringing on Davis Maddock from Sports Grid, from the Tate Cast, from the Swole Cast, and maybe many other casts. Longtime fantasy football uh, mind personality wizard. Whatever you want to call him, I'm excited to talk to Davis, chop it up, get into a little bit of his background, obviously talk a little bit of best ball, and a ton, ton more. So let's get into it. Davis, the first thing I decided I'm going to start asking people on this particular show, I'm stealing this from one of my favorite podcasts, but what is the single worst player like take that you've had player you've drafted, you know, now that we're in like the best ball days could be a guy you took a huge stand on or, you know, had heavy exposure to what's what's the absolute worst fantasy football pick, you know, that you've touted or whatever in, in your life, in your career. It's got it's it's funny you ask this cuz there there probably would have been some older ones back from the original Rotoviz days that were pretty bad but it's I mean truly the worst one in the entire time I've done this as my job it's got to be Clyde Edwards-Helaire ahead of Jonathan Taylor and CD Lamb in in rookie drafts 2 years ago and as a first round pick 2 years ago and even as what what was he back end of the second round high end of the third round I mean, just just Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as an entity. It's got to be because it was bad, I think, from a process perspective in the sense of like, you know, just assuming that he was going to be this workhorse guy and and bad luck, bad in terms of the amount of money it cost me. And I mean, all these dynasty leagues like Jonathan Taylor's like the number one asset and I I can't get a second round pick for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in these leagues. And it just it's just going to continue to haunt me like it's not going to get any better. It, it, the opportunity cost th- there's always opportunity cost with like you said like in dynasty drafts with guys like that that year it, it was the worst miss by the team by the by the chiefs and by fantasy drafters on on ceh and it's only just like magnified times a thousand when there's jt and there's swift there was t higgin you know there was just like an infinite amount of guys who are just absolute smashes around ceh and uh i mean it's the perfect example of the impossible balance in fantasy football of like player or prospect over situation. It's like sometimes like Leonard Fournette is not very good at football. He's really not. Tom Brady throws it to him and they hand it to him at the, at the goal line. So guess what? He's going to score a lot of fantasy points, but you know, uh, Deandre Swift is pretty awesome and the lions suck. And so you're figuring that out is like impossible. You know, I lean on people like you to kind of like, you know, I listen to you and Gretch and Crane and everything to kind of get down in the weeds on some of that stuff. Cause I think it's like by far the hardest part of all this. Yeah. I mean like, like identifying who is good. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's actually not that hard from like college to pro, at least in the sense of like putting guys in percentiles and comparing them. Right. I think some of the hardest stuff to deal with is, when players who are highly drafted by the NFL and who look good as prospects struggle as rookies, mm. I think that's actually the hardest stuff 
to contextualize, like LaVisca, second-round pick, looks really good as a prospect. What do you have, 650 yards and three touchdowns as a rookie, which is fine, but not great. And so, we, what, he's a seventh-round pick again, and now it's, like, complete dust. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I actually find, um, like, guys who struggle as rookies – I mean, and honestly, regardless of position, Trevor Lawrence, right? I mean, I I just like, what do you do with that? What do you blame on coaching? What is injuries? What is bad luck? What is variance? Like, it's it's very hard, I think, to do that stuff. That's actually a really great point. And I think that that, I think you're right. I think I think I agree where, because we always have this conversation every offseason where, and, you know, how society is nowadays, we it's got to be very polarized, but everybody, this guy stinks or this guy is good. There's never any like, well, it could be this or it could be that. You know, Justin Fields was terrible. Trevor Lawrence was terrible. Are they just bad? Are they just young? Was it the situation? Who knows? But like, it's it's difficult because there's only one Devontae Adams that just absolutely stunk. Was ter- was legitimately That's terrible. So, it's so rare for the third yeah. year breakout or like Tyler Lockett, who was like a bit player his mm-hmm. entire rookie contract like that stuff is i mean you're talking about two guys every 10 years who are like not not only bad but like afterthoughts on their team like if hardman with with kelsey got or with tyreek on like if hardman does something now year four it would be it would be beyond bizarre for that to happen right and so you're balancing that with what are other people thinking like are they is everybody really out on mccall like are we like let's let's just say let's Let's uh, put a situation together because Alex is asking, are the Chiefs in in rebuild mode? And I think kind of yes and no. But um, we'll get into the Chiefs for sure. You and I talked about it a lot yesterday. Um, But let's say they draft Jamison Williams and that's it. No Will Fuller. You know, they pick up some bum free agent, right? Not even MVS, you know. And so McColl has all the opportunity in the world. If the market is like, nope, he sucks. Not falling for this trick again. It's like, well, I'm probably gonna fall for it. I'm probably gonna fall for it again. Yeah, it's just but, like right, all right, all right, underdog a check right now because right. I, I just I already know. Like if if McCall Hardman and and Jamison will like if it's Hardman and Jamison Williams is the perimeter wide receivers because remember I was actually talking with like my real life buddies who obviously are all Chiefs fans yesterday, and I reminded them like Pringle's gone too. He right. actually played the second most snaps at wide receiver for them last year. <laughs> so Robinson's gone. Tyreek is gone and Pringle is gone. That was four. There's three of their top four wide receivers. Now Smith Schuster is going to slot in and he's going to play every available snap out of the slot, but you still have like roughly still about 60% of the total wide receiver snaps to be filled. Yeah. And uh, you talked about also yesterday, like kind of cheap cost controlled labor. McColl's the only one they got other than whoever they draft this year. You know what I mean? And so, they are sort of incentivized in this weird spot to like, let's run it back one more time. One more time. <laughs> one more. Like this will be it though. Like this is it. Kind of like how this is it for Tua. Basically, this is it for McColl. I, I do actually think he might get a little bit of a shot. So it's funny that we bring him up because it's one of those where like, if someone came to you as a tout, right, as a fantasy football analyst or whatever, and they were like, you know, what do you think about McColl Hardman? Are you excited for him? The answer would be he sucks and no. Yeah. But then when you get into draft season, it's like, well, I'm still going to take some of them, even though I don't think it's going to work. And I think people have a really, really, really hard time with that. And like back when definitely you've been doing this a lot longer than I have. And when I even like when I first started, uh, that's what it was. It was give me your takes. 
who 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 do you like? You know, who do you like? Who or do whatever. you like? And, yeah. and and now it's like, well, no, I hate McCall. I hate McCall Hardman. I don't even really like Tua. Well, we talked about these guys yesterday that like, I don't know. They seem like fine bets to me. If everybody else is going to be be off them, I feel like the industry has kind of really changed a lot around that that aspect. Yeah. No, I think you're right. And I mean, I also think, like, I think there's a lot of reasons for this. Um, you know, that people are more like price sensitive in general. I do actually think like the whole explosion of like crypto and NFTs and, you know, Top Shot and all day, like I think people are just kind of used to a little, I think they're more used to thinking about things as like a portfolio and in terms of like ranges of outcomes. Like I think the idea of being price sensitive to players would have been like foreign to like, you know, the average guy who listens to the CBS (laughs) fantasy football podcast like two years ago. But I do think now, like, it's like kind of a a pretty easily recognizable idea. Like, I, I don't like this guy at a third round cost, but I do really like this guy at a fifth round cost. And I think that, like, Josh Jacobs, actually a great example of, like, you know, that we all decided we were out on him in the third round. But uh, people who are less stubborn than me were, like, just gobbling <laughs> him up in the sixth and seventh round of drafts yep. last year. And um, Hardman, Hardman, I, every Chiefs player is going to be like that. I'm actually curious if, you know, getting to, to August and stuff like that, I wonder if Mahomes will even be the third quarterback or fourth quarterback. Like, I wonder if, if because if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is an eighth-round pick and, you know, Travis Kelsey will be a, a top 15-ish pick regardless, but if Schuster's going in the fifth round and then it's like, Hardman, whatever rookie they draft, and uh, you know Josh Gordon or whoever. Like if Chiefs skill position, if Chiefs skill position players are not as expensive, I do wonder if we see a little bit of deflation on Mahomes' price tag, which I think is interesting. Which I, I think it would be really interesting because again, if you haven't, Davis and I really went into the Tyreek trade quite a bit yesterday on his on his Sports Grid podcast so i recommend giving giving that a listen and i'm sure everybody that's listening to this has probably already heard 10 million takes on the the chiefs and the and the dolphins but i do think there's a lot up in the air with how the chiefs are going to go attack this thing like it it could end up it sounds terrible i don't even really mean a net positive like for next year but it could end up closer where they're not trotting out demarcus robinson and byron pringle as the third and fourth wide receivers yes tyreek is gone but you have Juju. Let's say they let's just say they get Will Fuller and one of these good young rookies, maybe two of these good young rookies. Is it really that much worse having Jamison Williams and George Pickens and Juju and Kelsey and Will Fuller versus Tyreek? Obviously, Tyreek is the man, but Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle, like, is it really that much worse for Mahomes? But I, I think everyone's just it's it like it's been decided this is worse for the Chiefs, no matter what happens over the next. Uh, month with the draft and free agency. I, that's what I've, I'm kind of leaning towards, at least. I mean, I do think it is pretty contingent based on what they are able to add. Like, Fuller would be the big one. Fuller, I think, would kind of be the guy where I'd be like, I could really buy in on them creating something that could at least approximate what their offense used to be like. But if they, like, because Fuller is such a unique player, when when he has been on the field, his offenses have always been better. Like, even when he was playing with all-world DeAndre Hopkins, Watson was better. Hopkins was better when Fuller played. And there were meaningful on and off splits with Fuller. The same way there were meaningful off and on splits for the Kansas City offense when Tyreek was in Mm -hmm. or out of the lineup. 
And so Fuller would be a huge one, you know, assuming he is like, not only did he have the finger injury, but he had like mental health issues and was away from the team. So like maybe, and maybe, so maybe we're overrating Fuller's impact. And I also, I also am like way more bullish than the average person on Smith Schuster. Like Mm -hmm. he is, he is less than three years older than Traylon Burks. Like he's (laughs) got, he just turned 25 and he's about to enter into his sixth NFL season. Um, and and I think you know kind of what we maybe learned about him is he's he's miscast as like a top guy because he struggled that first year without Antonio Brown, but he's pretty good when playing with someone else who is pretty good. And if Jamison Williams is that guy, if George Pickens is that guy, if Sky Moore is that guy, uh, Sky Moore I, I may be a little bit less bullish about of you know making the jump from uh, what what conference does Western Michigan play in the the WAC uh, or whatever? The, yeah. Yeah, something like that. I, I'm a little bit less bullish Mac, about Mac, him Mac, having Mac. like a Mac. Yeah, like a year one impact. Like I think he would be a good addition to a team that needed a third wide receiver, but maybe a little bit less in a spot where they expect him to be a co number one or whatever year one. But I mean, you know, Jarvis Landry is out there. That's kind of interesting to me. I really mm-hmm. it, it feels like the spot they missed is like feels like they should have been in on Allen Robinson yeah. before before the Rams got him cuz cuz he would probably be I mean he he plays very differently than Tyreek but he he would be the the boundary wide receiver that they need to make this offense work. Right, when when Tyreek or whatever the archetype of Tyreek is in that in that offense is taken away as Kelsey ages, having someone like Allen Robinson, that it does like that's what the power of like DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, like obviously they get open, they catch the ball, but it's like they're never not open. Yeah. Like, like just throw it to him. It, 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 like it, Mahomes is running around like he does sometimes and shit, nobody's open. And Allen Robinson's in single coverage and he's covered, like covered, just throw it. He's going to go get yeah. it half the time and you're going to make big plays. And those guys are just so, it's kind of like the Tyreeks and the Fullers of the, Fuller is like uh, the Kmart version of Tyreek from a uh, from an impact perspective. You know what I mean? Like being able to lift well, the he lid. He just creates space for everyone else when he's yep. out there. So have, it's like those two. You know, when you get both of them in one, you know, you have Calvin Johnson, but when or Randy Moss or whatever. But when you get those two archetypes of the guys that are just never covered, basically, and then the guys that create so much space for themselves and for the the offense. Um. Yeah, I, I, Allen Robinson would have been pretty sick because then if you do go, then you can just go all in on that burner, right? If you have Juju, Kelsey, and then Allen then you can just take Jamison Williams, and you're like, yes. bet, like we got yep. we got him. But but you know, and then the you know the other thing with Jamison Williams is is he's probably not going to be ready by week one coming right. off this knee injury, and he you know maybe. And I, as you were just talking, I realized like the the big thing that all of these guys are going to have to learn is like, yeah, Mahomes is the best. But he also has, like, uh, you know, when Kelsey came on the Manning cast and he was explaining how, like, I don't even I don't even have routes. Like, I don't, they don't even call plays for me. Like, I just do whatever I want, and Pat just knows where I'm going to be. It's like, well, obviously, probably that same thing existed with Tyreek. And maybe that is a big explanatory variable for why Hardman never flourished with yeah. them and why, mm-hmm. despite Robinson, you know, no other team in the NFL wants, wants to give Robinson money, but the Chiefs keep re-signing him because he's just comfortable with Mahomes and it's going to be all new guys like Kelsey and Hardman will be there. And then it's going to be Smith Schuster, a rookie, someone they sign in for agency over the next couple of weeks. And like that, that is probably going to be uh, a huge barrier for them, especially at the beginning of the season. I think so too. So before we move on from the, from the chiefs, there was a couple 
Uh, Tony brings up Josh all, all pro. You, you, that's a that's a leading the witness all pro Josh Gordon. And then uh, Connor brings up Julio. I, I think Julio is at least uh, uh, mildly interesting as a. I don't think they should sign Julio. What what if the draft doesn't come doesn't shake out that way, right? What what if Jameson's gone? What if you know Olave, Wilson, Burks, all those guys are gone, and you're picking Sky Moore and uh, Christian Watson or whatever with your your first and second round picks? Um, would you be more interested in a band aid like Julio then, or just like nah, fuck it, let the young kids play? So this is this is where I'm at. The obviously what they lose with Tyreek is speed, and we saw what happened to the you know Patriots honestly last year like they're just the slowest fucking team and they just they they're so slow and now you have Smith Schuster who maybe was fast but is clearly transitioned out of like being that guy and you know Clyde Edwards Lair and Derek Gore are running backs Travis Kelsey is going to lead your team in targets and he's 33 like you just you got to have some speed and athleticism and like maybe Julio Jones in games he's healthy can do kind of what we were talking about with that, that Allen Robinson, DeAndre Hopkins thing where he's just like always open, but you, the, the whole thing that made the chiefs so invincible for so long was the splash plays. It would just like, they would just hit Mm -hmm. you with these splash plays all the time. And they looked so mortal last year throwing in front of the defense, right? Teams start doing the, and they make the AFC conference championship, but clearly they were playing on way finer margins in those games too because it just changed everything about how they were structuring their offense. And they figured it out on the fly because Andy Reid's a really good coach and Patrick Mahomes is a really good quarterback, but that's like not the most optimal way for them to be playing. And so I think like the, I'm just not excited about these veteran guys because none of them get them back to just once a quarter, they just have a play that goes for 40 yards and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, or shit, they they had to have led the league in like you know seventy yard touchdowns or whatever for an extended stretch. Had to have. It it felt like in DFS, it was like every other week Tyreek caught one, or even you know Hardman had some big ones, and and those are just like they just don't happen very much in football. And so when you're consistently putting those up, like I don't think people quite understand how like it's so fucking hard to score. uh consistently so hard to score so if you can do it in one play from 80 yards away like look at some of these teams right they can't even fucking move the ball you know we're talking about some of these quarterbacks in the nfl so when you can just like either bang 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 25 30 40 touchdown or one right tyreek just you know is just too fast for the defense and they happen to call the wrong (laughs) defensive play for your offensive play i mean it's just it's just a total backbreaker for the defense and so i'm fascinated to see what that, that, that's part of why I'm so bullish on Jameson. I keep bringing his name up, but like he's the one guy in this class, I guess Olave, but I, I whatever. Um, if, if you prefer him with his speed, I think Jameson plays faster than Olave does. And, and he, he, he showed enough to do some of the little, like, like Tyreek did turned into, I can do, you can throw me a slant. You can throw me a hitch or whatever, but then he can catch the ball and run by the defense and he can just run by the defense like Fuller and, and Deshaun Jackson and all those guys. And so I'm trying to exactly like what you said, side with this speed stuff. Like, trust me, a good football player is just a good football player. But these fuckers are getting so fast nowadays that like if you're slow on offense, like it's just going to be really difficult for you to beat the Bills and the Chiefs and the Chargers and and all these good teams. Well, it it does sound like the team is pretty interested in uh, trade and signing Marquez Valdez Scantling, Mm -hmm. which 
I mean, it doesn't solve the problem, but I like I'd rather MVS than Julio Jones or or Jarvis Landry. I think for what they need, because Juju is yeah. already going to do whatever Jarvis Landry or Julio would have done for them. I think. Yeah, I think that that's that's totally totally fair. Jason says trade for Metcalf, and I think um, from a like from a, a Madden perspective or something, if you just trade for Metcalf, obviously that would be that would be awesome. I think you're kind of um, cutting off your nose to spite your face to do the Metcalf thing just because, yes, he's younger, but you just traded away a guy who you were going to have to pay gobs of money to um, to keep at wide receiver, and that's what you're going to have to do with DK Metcalf. And so um, not saying it's bad, but it's kind of like at, at that point, you might as, well, might as well just kept Tyreek and kept the thing that you already knew worked in your offense as opposed to I, I guess the youth thing is nice, but – you're not in any better cap situation. You're not in any better roster building situation with DK Metcalf. So that's the only problem, even though it'd be awesome to watch DK Metcalf with Patrick Mahomes. Yes. I mean, we, we all want, we all want, uh, you know, DK Metcalf on the chiefs. Remember Hardman got selected over DK Metcalf. I think sort of, sort of famously at, (laughs) uh, at this point, but again, to your point, like they're not trying to re put themselves in this position where they got to pay someone $25 million. Like they just, they were going to pay someone that money. They should have just paid Tyreek Hill that money instead of giving up the draft pick compensation. So I, I don't, I don't really see a trade with any of these disgruntled star wide receivers that makes yeah. a ton of sense for them. Like the, no. the whole point was to just take the medicine of clearing your cap a little bit and, and, you know, paying Metcalf doesn't really do that. So pivoting a little bit but staying on the on the chiefs thing you for for anybody that has followed your content and stuff you're in this weird space as a football fan where you are simultaneously a chiefs fan and a cowboys fan can you talk about how did how did this happen how did you land on being a cowboys and a chief and a chiefs fan so i grew up my dad was a cowboys fan he grew up in in oklahoma and he's old enough to be to be back in the time when uh like the the games you got were the national TV games yep. and and maybe you'd get a local TV game and they just happen to get all the Cowboys games. So he grew up being a Cowboys fan. I was a Cowboys fan, never, never cared about the chiefs. The chiefs were always all my friends growing up were chiefs fans and they were always losers. Right. I mean, they just, they were always losers. <laughs> yep. And then I moved to Kansas city the year that Mahomes got drafted and sat on the bench behind Alex Smith and um, DraftKings actually got me tickets to a couple of the games. I was at the, oh, wow. Uh, the overtime Alex Smith game against the Chargers week one of the 2016, 2017 season. I don't remember uh, which one it is, but it was this, they were down by two touchdowns. It was this great comeback game. Um, and then I went to probably four games Mahomes' first season. Um, I was at, yeah, just like a, and you can, it was impossible to be in that environment and not get wrapped up in it. It's like, it would be like, yeah. uh, like, when I was in college, I was a, an Oklahoma Sooners fan, but I was at K-State the year they were number one when Colin Klein was the quarterback and Auburn came to play and everything. Mm-hmm. And, like, I got wrapped up in it then. And there, so there was just no way. And, like, I just love Mahomes. Like, Mahomes is – he's the best. So that that's how that's how it happened. And, and honestly, it's great because uh, I can just root for the Cowboys until their season is over, which generally is right around week 10 or week 11. <laughs> And then, and then when they're out, I can just stop caring and then just be all aboard the Chiefs. 
is that is a very good that is a sharp that is a sharp take uh yeah because you don't have to worry about the chiefs in the first two months because they're going to be seven and one or whatever it is they're going to figure it out (laughs) yeah exactly i'm just looking back at that at that game yeah a philip rivers alex smith shootout uh spencer ware uh that's right the the running back for the chiefs back then i remember those days i remember those fantasy days quite quite uh clearly too that was a that was before Tyreek was was really a thing. Jeremy Macklin was the wide receiver one for yep. the Chiefs. At I, I at still have time. a I still have a Jeremy Macklin jersey from from those days. I think that was the first Chiefs jersey I ever bought. Actually, that is that is great. Jeremy Macklin, uh, Mizzou, great. So you're he, really touching all. He's the, from all the... the neighborhood I live in right now. Like his childhood house is like not that far away from where I live now. That's amazing. Yeah, he's a St. Louis legend. Uh, mm-hmm. It's always nice. It's always nice to see the the, the local guys. You know, St. Louis. The, St. Louis actually has some pretty damn good athletics, and it does not get uh, anywhere near the hype that it that it deserves. It's like people know that Jason Tatum's from St. Louis, and like that's about it. And he went to Duke, so it's like it's like uh, it's not like that even even matters. But it's a pretty good football area uh, too. I mean, number one wide receiver, Brad- in the Bradley Bradley Beal. Yeah, uh, Brad- he's, he's not. He's, I don't think he's from here, but he went to Chaminade. The yeah, the boys prep school here. Yeah, the basket, the, the St. Louis basketball factory. Uh, yeah, Chaminade. So, other funny story that you brought up K State, and I had totally forgotten that you you went to K State. First football jersey I've ever owned in my entire life was an L. Roberson jersey. I, from, buddy, I remember from, him from from K State. That team was uh, playing NCAA football. The L. Roberson Darren Sproles team was like the cheek was it was like uh whatever year the Madden game when Vic was like you know you could just run around 2004 yeah but Roberson and Sproles were that cheat code in in that game they ran the triple option you had the fastest running back in the country and the fastest quarterback in the country and so uh I was a miniature I hadn't figured out my fandom yet at at that point because there was no (laughs) the Rams were terrible and and all that and uh so l roberson i i remember i, I that jersey's probably at my parents house somewhere <laughs> stored away number three l roberson k-state jersey that is that is uh that's amazing the the quarterback i remember um from so so that was a little bit before my time who what was the name of the quarterback not uh josh freeman freeman yeah. was oh, the, uh, freeman freeman was the k-state quarterback when i was in high school and he was like uh he was like a, a big deal like people love people oh, yeah. loved him and then Colin Colin Klein too was mm-hmm. uh was after that but Josh Freeman was like he that was a huge deal that K-State had this quarterback that was like gonna eventually go and play in the NFL yeah he was a monster he was an er- early declare he's like six seven two fifty could th- he was like Jamarcus Russell basically is what uh, yeah he was the, un- the- he was unreal he was so good when he was at K-State he, and he, he was like uh, this just absolute free, you know, shouldn't be playing college court. It's kind of, it, it, he didn't play the same way, but it was like how I viewed Cam in, yeah. in college. It was just like, how the hell is this guy a college quarterback? This doesn't make any sense at all. But uh, Like in a different universe, favorites. he would have been like a tight end. Yeah, yeah. Or a yeah. center. You know, the dude would have played center in the 70s on an NBA team. Right, exactly. Team, yeah. And he's a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, those are my fondest sports memories though, for sure. Now I can't, there's not many teams that I can truly enjoy without gambling, you know, without for some sure. kind of skin in the game. And so those, I always love to chat with, with people about like those old school memories because yeah, uh, being a sports fan is, is stupid. 
it's so it dumb. Stupid. Like the fact that my day got like kind of ruined yesterday by the fact that Tyreek, a person I don't even really like, like not <laughs> like not that not that good of a person, but like because it's not that I care about Tyreek leaving or whatever. Like you know he he's whatever to me, but it's the fact that like. Mahomes is going to have to like take a step back and like yep. Nick Rudman, Nick Rudman is going to be dunking on me on Twitter when Mahomes has a big dude. I thought of an unbelievably cruel meme to Patrick Mahomes last night. And I was like, I could never tweet this, but I honestly kind of just want to DM it to Rudman just to see him tweet it. Cause it, it would be, it's like such an unbelievable dunk. But I mean, just even the fact that I would even think about that just shows how warped sports makes your brain. That is, that is an excellent point. And, and I don't like either of the teams. I fucking hate the Patriots being from St. Louis. Worst. That's just absolute. It's like Brady took my team from me. It's like how it is, how it is basically viewed. The, the greatest show on turf is one of the greatest NFL teams for a short stretch that has ever existed. It was like the, it was a, the chiefs, what we've seen from the chiefs the last few years, you're going, you're hopefully, you know, you still have Mahomes for a long time. We, we had late stage Kurt Warner, right. As a, yeah. as the quarterback. So you knew it wasn't going to last forever. And then Brady came in, ripped our hearts out, took, took the second Super Bowl from us. And not that much later, the Rams are gone to LA, you know, cause the franchise just collapsed. And so Brady was the guy and the Patriots were the guy that you just like grew up hating. And so I, I don't like the Patriots. I'm not a Chiefs fan. I mean, I like Mahomes. Mahomes is just like, I don't know how you could ever dislike Mahomes. It's kind of how I felt about LeBron a little bit before. Lately, it's not, I don't feel quite quite the same way, but where it was like, can you ask for a better like ambassador of the game? You know, this guy that has like no is dating his dating his high school or college sweetheart, married to his high school or college sweetheart, has never gotten in trouble. Like, how are you, how are you Patrick Mahomes and you've never even got like a fucking speeding ticket? You know, like, obviously I know it's, no one it's crazy, but yeah. like, he's never, he's never been arrested. No, he's never even like tweeted anything stupid, <laughs> you know, to have that kind of fame. So I don't know how you dislike Mahomes, but you and Redman will be having these conversations. And I find myself getting triggered. I know because, it's like you know? so triggering. It's so <laughs> triggering to me. He really gets under my skin and, and, and he's far from the only one, like plenty of people. Cause like, it's just like, whoever is great has to pick up their haters it's just like how it works and and so Mahomes has to say because you know the Bengals fans want everyone to think Burrow is as good and it's the the Bills fans are the ones who are really touchy about it where it's like if you suggest that Mahomes is clearly better than Josh Allen they're like what are you talking about the Bills and it's just like I it's like it's like dude I don't know how to quantify it but I just feel like every level-headed person knows that Mahomes is the best like I just it's and it's it's no disrespect or shade to Josh Allen, who's amazing, but you know, it's just, it just is what it is. I know. And I feel like there, there's some of those takes in sports where like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills when you go onto Twitter or whatever, and you listen, you read other people's tweets or you listen to other people's shows or whatever. And they're just like, yeah, you, th- I'm not saying this example happens all the time, but like you said, where people are like, yeah, Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the NFL. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm like, that's not even a debate to me, but then you're like, to your point, I don't, I can't quantify it, but I just feel like it's stupid to say that Mahomes isn't the best quarterback, but there's like tons of those where you see all these and like, it's so hard to not get triggered, you know, by all of that. And then fandom take it a thousand steps, a thousand steps worse. I mean, we're talking about fandom, the one team that I've like, really, really started to root for St. Louis basketball, St. Louis university basketball. Cause I, 
I wanted to pick up a like a kind of a smaller school. My wife uh, went there and worked there. And all that the kind tickets of stuff. are the tickets are real cheap. You could go every night to their games if you wanted. I always get, I always see them on SeatGeek when yep. I look, and I'm like, oh, I could. I'm like, hey, you know, do you want to go to a basketball game tonight? It's like eleven dollars. We I've never gone though. <laughs> I I, I do kind of want to just because I I always get to tournament time. I don't know anything. I don't know anyone who plays for any team. All I know is whatever Ken Palm's number is saying. I'm like, it would be right. nice to just go to like a couple games. Like, uh, you know, if, if, if it, I, I don't even know what their schedule is in terms of like, if they ever have any big non-conference games, but it would be like fun to go. They played Auburn this year. Um, they had a really good non-conference game, but um, like I picked up that team because it was like the, my fandom had run out like everywhere. Like the Rams yeah. are gone. I'm not that big of a baseball fan anymore. Like during this part of the year, I get into drafting some fantasy baseball teams like best ball. Cause I'm not managing that shit for six months. And then I kind of fall out of love with that, you know, so didn't really have a team. And like you said, the, the fandom thing this morning, um, one of their best players declared for the NBA draft. And he's like, it has literally no shot of getting drafted. And I'm like, pissed. I'm like, what the fuck? You know? And you're like getting mad about some 19 or 20 year old kid you know, from St. Louis University basketball. And it's like ruining multiple hours of my morning because I'm a fan. I'm a fan of this team. And uh, so I guess that's good and bad that I'm not, we're not getting super, super deep into the fandom because it is so freaking toxic. But on the other hand, I wish I could enjoy sports more without having to gamble on them. Yeah. Uh, like the, honestly, the only sport these days that I can watch without gambling or playing fantasy is soccer. Um, yeah. Like that, that's, that's really the, that's really the only thing. And honestly, I think it's because my timeline doesn't care about it. That's actually, that's actually what I like just in general, the people that I follow don't care about it. And I think that makes it way easier to just enjoy. That's, that's, that's actually my diagnosis is because I can that's just really enjoy it. And take. that can, can just be something that it only exists inside of my brain. Basically. That's a really good take. That's probably why I've gotten so into formula one. Uh, something that even like five years ago, I would have laughed at you. Like, right. I don't like racing. I have, I'm not sure I've ever watched a NASCAR race in my life. I didn't even know what formula one was. Until you watch that, F- the the Netflix series. Yeah. yeah. yeah when it what like somebody recommended it to me, like the first season, when the first season came out, they're like, dude, you got to watch this. I'm like, I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not watching racing, you know? And I was just hooked instantly. And it was the same thing. I wasn't gambling on it. I was just fascinated by the sport. It's so different, right? Kind of like how European soccer is so the structure of the leagues and the sport is so different from everything we're used to here that I was, and, and I could watch it without my entire timeline pissing me off. Like during a Sunday of football where everybody's like, you know, tilting every penalty and every missed pass by a quarterback. And very underrated part. And this is true for F1 too. It's at a, a different time of day than you're oh, yeah. used to watching American sports. So like, college basketball, NBA, six o'clock at night, NFL mm-hmm. game, six o'clock at night, or, you know, all of Sunday, whereas soccer flip on, I mean, it's on in the afternoon all the time here too, but you know, Saturday, Sunday mornings. And then, mm-hmm. uh, what F1 is, is Sunday Saturday mornings, mornings Sunday, Sunday mornings. Morning. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's just totally <laughs> different from your normal schedule. And I, that kind of makes it more enjoyable too. Yeah. I think that's one of, uh, you talk about on the take cast a lot, which I totally agree with something I'm, I'm into. And also I agree with your take that it kind of pisses me off that I'm into it 
is this like the life hacking type type stuff so it's so uh, annoying but that shit like i like it, it send me a life hack article or a podcast or whatever and i'll just devour and it's like that's so douchey like it's so douchey to be into that but i can't help it exactly that's it it's it's like painful like I, I never thought about it that way till the first time you said it and that's what you were like this is probably what they talk about in like a silicon valley boardroom you know what I mean? Before they start the meeting, they're all talking about yeah. their stupid, their stupid fucking morning routine that they did and how energized they feel. And I'm like, yep. God damn it. I'm like, that sounds like me. That literally sounds like me. But the sport thing was it, do it really does. Like I can find myself so easily triggered or just like stressed out or whatever over honestly tons of NFL shit because there's 5,000 people on my timeline a day constantly tweeting about different NFL and NFL stuff. And there's just so much content. It's, it's easy to get uh, really bogged down, but like taking the time to like get into like you getting into European soccer and like, and like I, I it's something I'm not into and I don't have any knowledge of, but like I listened to you and Josh on your podcast and I was like, this is fucking fascinating. I'm like, I would love to learn more about this. And that's like what I did like with formula one or whatever. I know some people that I follow are like really into UFC, right. Or, or what something, but picking something else out, if you're really in like this best ball space, fantasy football, even like if you're in fantasy basketball, DFS, like it was, it has been like almost life changing to kind of find something else that I can like sink my teeth into and just truly enjoy. And like, like, I mean, my fucking wife likes it too. I guess that's help. That's partially helped. Oh, that's, that's huge. If there's anything, yeah. my, uh, my, my, uh, partner doesn't care about anything she she won't watch anything on tv but she's always down to go which is nice so if i ever want to go to a blues game or a cardinals game or whatever mm -hmm. which is like that's a that's a fair trade like you know i can watch i can can watch it uh you know a a late march cleveland cavaliers game on the ipad it's not it's not that much skin off my back you know <laughs> yeah right that is that is very true um this is pretty funny from from nick nick is anti life hacks he, he <laughs> loves hearing you and uh pete on probably on the take cast typically but he gets very triggered when you st guys start to get into life hacks I'll it's be honest because you, it's, it's so douchey it really yeah. is like being like and i don't look at my phone for 30 minutes when i wake up and i always yeah. drink a big glass of water and it's like <laughs> fuck off dude like fuck off with your with your life hacks like it's it it really like i totally get it like i would never tell someone like yeah, you got to listen to my show for how much better it's going to make your life. <laughs> um, but like, I, like, I love that shit. Like the Huberman lab podcast. I mean, it's just not, it's like, it's, and it's so long. It's like two hours a week of like, don't eat sugar. And I'm like, Oh, I can't wait to listen to this episode. It's going to be so good. That is, that is so true. But I will say on a positive note, um, what's it called from James clear? Um, the habit book uh, uh uh atomic habits atomic habits it did change my life not even yes. just like not even just like from like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna set all these habits you know set these routines and build these habits but just how i view things and how i think about tackling things just like a life perspective so there there are positives to to some of it but it's also like you can get over the top with it and i agree it's it's extremely it's extremely douchey but i thought it was a funny a funny part of uh uh kind of this whole conversation silas silas says piggybacking on the fandom thing like watching pats games is like gut-wrenching he's a pats fan but you have dfs you know to kind of offset my struggle how do you deal with this davis as a as a chiefs cowboys fan like all i care about is my dfs players on on sunday 
do you like when you're watching, are you like watching red zone and watching all the games? How are you handling the fandom with the, with the DFS aspect of things? See, it's even worse for me because I have, so I have for, for a, a Sunday to not tilt me, the chiefs have to win. I have to win in cash on DraftKings Cause I have to do the show on right. Sunday night and my main event teams on FFPC uh-huh. have to go undefeated. Not not just winning record cuz those are expensive leagues like you do not want to be losing those games. Like it's so mm-hmm. annoying especially when it's close. So I probably uh, I think I had five teams last year. So it's like I don't even know if that I don't even know if it happened one weekend where every team won, I won in DFS and and the Chiefs and Cowboys won. It's like this impossible parlay. So pretty much Sunday is just going to be terrible. I would say uh, honestly, like obviously cash is like such a, well, it's not a losing investment at, at like the lower stakes these days. Like I'll be able to play $5 games profitably probably forever, but the, just, just having one lineup that you spent all week working on that, that, that banks is like, it is nice. Like that they, if I win, if I win in cash, I'll go to sleep without like tilting too much, pretty much is, is how it works. Cause, and it, it's cause we do the, the dumb show. And then, you know, the other thing that on, on the layer on top of that is like I spent all offseason spending thousands of dollars on these best ball teams. And uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and LaVisca Chenault is playing behind Laquan Treadwell. So <laughs> if there's if there's really what everyone is saying in the chat is correct, which is like pretty much NFL season is not fun. Like it's it's re- it gets really and I am, you know, my work schedule sucks. I'm at my computer yep. from like 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. I'm exhausted. Like I don't want to do anything else. Like, it's just, it's, and I eat like shit. It's, mm-hmm. it's, and, but I mean, the off season's great. Like right now I'm hanging out. I went to the gym this yeah. morning, hung out with my dogs. I did two shows today and like, I'm pretty much wrapped up. Like that's, that's great. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, the season is not very fun, basically. No, it is not. But so this is the, everything that you said and everything that the chat said is exactly how I feel. But that rush when it does when it, when it all is oh it's the best dude <laughs> the once a year that it happens it brings you it you it sucks you in Con- you, you keep coming back you keep coming back for more like ff doom here says those three weeks though that you hit it makes you feel like you're on top of mount everest and i totally agree like i never feel so like i i mostly play tournaments um for dfs now i used to grind cash games really hard but like i know that you have the show it's just not um worth my time anymore to no, grind out really the, 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 the small edge unless it was for for content purposes and so now we're talking like playing high stakes tournaments and like live final qualifiers because that that's part of my dfs game is is i'm, I'm trying to chase you know the fantasy football world championship or stuff like that and so you have to finish first <laughs> against all the best players in the world uh you know however many 100 200 500 of of those guys and the GPPs are so top heavy, even outside of the live final qualifiers, that it's like, if I literally don't bink, I'm like not even happy. You know what I mean? Like, like winning, getting fifth in a high stakes tournament is like 10K. <laughs> and it's and like, the, oh, the, that's the, the same for two more weeks. <laughs> and it's it's the difference, like the difference between a profitable season and a non-profitable. So I even, I can even tell you the play that determined my season. Um so I like I I won in cash, but it's not like uh, I'm like I'm not getting ten thousand dollars down a week. So it's pretty like I, I in the end of everything, I had a six point eight percent ROI in cash, which is fine. I mean that's good, 
-hmm. but I would have had a great season had, let's see, what week was it? Had Leonard Fournette in week seven. Um, he, I got eighth in the red zone, the $50 single entry, mm -hmm. but had Leonard Fournette. So he got three straight touches on the one yard line. He got two carries, got stuffed, and then Tom Brady threw it to him and he dropped it. And had he scored a touchdown on any one of those, I would have gotten first for 50K and that, would have made my season would have been would have been a, a good season you know would have been would have been feeling really good about about all the time and effort that I put in uh and I got I got a funnily enough I got eighth in it another week because Stafford threw his fourth touchdown to Cooper Cup instead of Van Jefferson and had the touchdown gone the other way I would have gotten first so it's like it's just like and I, I'll probably remember that forever. I will probably remember Fournette catching, not catching that pass on the goal line forever. And that's not a healthy way to live. No, no, it definitely is not. I, while you were talking about that, there's one moment um, on the negative side of things for my DFS career. Same thing that has scarred me for life. And I think it's funny, um, you know, like the Connor says, the bink sweat is, is better it's, than it's drugs. The it's the best. It's the best. It, it, I remember it, it, every bink I've ever had. I remember how it happened. Remember the yep. players involved. Yeah. But you also, for me, I would rather just get my dick kicked in on a football Sunday. It's like I fade. It, Leonard Fournette is chalk. I fade him. Yeah. Right? He scores three first-half touchdowns. I close the laptop. I don't worry about it. Maybe I play some showdown or something. <laughs> like, and, and it's all good. But the, the oh, shit, I just got off to a hot start on live. Yeah. Then it's then, then you're six you're, hours, <laughs> six hours, just like sweating every catch, you know, especially on a it's, full it's, PR side. It, it, it is, it is awful. Like when you when you have like the the like you have the hot start, and then there is you know uh, Rams Buccaneers coming up in the in the late games, and you're just like, fuck, this is gonna be a long day. Yeah, <laughs> that was uh, similar. And uh, Tony asked about. Uh, sweating best ball teams and only only uh rage sweating only rage tilting best ball teams like oh derrick henry got hurt but guess what darrington evans has been hurt for uh two months already and i have 40 percent of him and uh yep. I, don't, I don't get paid off here or yeah you know pick an injury whatever maybe you drafted a bunch of ryan fitzpatrick raheem mostert i guess was a good example he took a big stand on R raheem mostert first play of his season you know where it's it's over so uh, the best ball tilts are, are pretty bad, but kind of the same thing as the DFS sweat. Like Pete and I in best ball mania got off to a blazing start. It was like unreal. We had Jamar chase, obviously, um, which you needed in that, in that week. But it was just like, he, he, we're, me and him are messaging. He was uh, with Herzig at Herzig's uh, final event or, or whatever for uh, what's it called? Uh, Own the moment. And, yes. uh, and uh, it's like, we're like, oh shit, Sony touchdown. Oh shit, you know, Chase touchdown. Oh shit, this person touchdown. Like Mac Jones threw like four. We Mac we used Mac Jones score over Dak Dak Prescott score in, right. in that week, and we're like, holy shit, we are live, totally live for a million dollars. And that was more miserable than like, especially because of like, you know, what what we do for work, um, and the things that it would help with for work was like that was way more miserable than like uh you know just losing like if we'd have got last that'd have been like whatever whatever i, I, whatever, I, don't, right? I, I really yeah. i really don't care so it's like not even the money aspect it's just like the sweat of these things that we that what we do to ourselves is is just pure torture absolutely pure torture yeah it's uh it's not it's not an ideal way to condition your brain by mm -hmm. uh 
by any means. And I don't, I, you know, I wish I, I wish I had a good answer, but I don't. It's just like, well, I mean, the, the best answer is to uh, just not uh, sweat it other than what you need mm -hmm. to do for, for late swap. But yeah. I mean, obviously that's impossible. It's also like, if you're not going to, I don't know how people do that. Uh, not sweat it. It's like, I don't know if I would want to play as much. I, I do it for I other know. I do it for other non NFL sports. Like I don't, I don't sweat every NBA slate. I don't sweat every baseball slate. Like sometimes I just check back in, especially yeah. if I'm, if I'm MMEing baseball, like if I'm, if I'm putting in like 20 entries or whatever, I'm like, great. I'll, I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll check tomorrow morning and, and see what happens. That's a good point because I think that's also a different perspective for if you're MMEing, it's like, you know what to sweat, but not, always not really you know, like yeah. like like you you know who your top exposures are and you you understand the rules you put into your build and all that stuff but it's not the same as sweating at one single entry lineup right you know so that that's definitely a good point i guess that's probably what i would do if i wanted to uh lower the stress levels of of sweating dfs i would probably just 150 some low stakes stuff and and not worry about it as much um so we got about 10 or 12, 10 or 12 minutes left. The other thing I try to uh, ask people is, uh, and I feel like you have a, you have a good, a good story, especially because I know soccer Dave and, and, and Tuttle and, and Tuttle and everybody, how did young Davis Matic get like, how did we get here? How, how did you start in this, in this whole space? Was this the, the long-term goal? What, what, how did Davis Maddock in fantasy football and, and what even has evolved now since fantasy football with the, the podcast and crypto and all your other interests? How did we, how did this all come to be? There's actually, it's actually even like kind of like a, a wilder story, like not wild, just like a bunch of like weird coincidences. Um, so I, I go off to college, I'm 18. My grandma, my mom's mom sent me a Craigslist post i don't even know how she got it why she was looking at this of like some guy looking to have a, a uh someone write like articles on his like, like dollars per click blog mm -hmm. i don't even remember what it was called don't even but i was like 18 years old freshman in college doing this and i did that for a while um damn it's like i'm it's kind of feels like i'm getting old i don't remember exactly how soccer dave found me um, I know I started my own. Okay, I do remember what happened. So I started my own website, uh, like like blog basically, mm -hmm. and was doing a podcast on that um, with a guy named Coleman Kelly, who who true fantasy football OGs will remember. And Soccer Dave approached me, like just DM'd me and was like, "I'll pay you like twenty five bucks an article to write on this website." called uh, fantasysports.org and so we were doing that and then somewhere along the line fantasy douche started rotoviz and i me john moore john bales matthew friedman anthony amico and probably two other people i'm forgetting right now all started to post on that blog and basically like time comes down and i'm about ready to graduate college and Soccer Dave scrapes up enough coins to, to pay me a very small monthly salary, but enough so that because DFS was also very easy to win at back then. Yeah. So I could kind of I could kind of count on on some monthly income from DFS back then, too. And, and he offered me a, a quote unquote job, 
which let's let's be real it wasn't really a job it was kind of a job back in the day yeah. for fantasy insiders <laughs> good old good old fantasy insiders um i always i still always get compliments when i first started well after um Dave and everybody came over to Better Collective to to RG and stuff. He brought in some yeah. swag, some swag to the office, and I made sure to steal some of the Fantasy Insiders stuff before it before it all ran out because uh, you know he's obviously notorious for not get, for not, not sending the shirts. It's funny. I I probably have the largest collection of remaining Fantasy Insider stuff, and like honestly, every time I do a Goodwill trip, some of the Fantasy Insider stuff ends up <laughs> in the bag because I never wear it. It's like I right. when when would be appropriate to wear a fantasy insider shirt i have uh i have tuttle's men's league basketball jersey from like 2014 or whatever because he and his buddies got fantasy insiders like uh like like pennies made so i i i have that that one makes it out of the closet every once in a while when the when the sun's out that's that's pretty amazing so you go from i know a little bit because you and i talked uh plenty within the last several years but um before sports grid but how what made you start the tape cast right so that's been something that that you've been growing for oh, quite for quite a while now what was kind of the, your general motivation um behind behind starting you know not just sticking in the fantasy football space but kind of in all your interests obviously fantasy football but tons of other stuff too so in between working for when when fantasy insiders stopped and when i got a job at sports grid i was working for a european company that was building a business to business product to sell to sports books that already exist in europe right so like uh you know bet 365 and all these things and their idea was we'll just build the dfs product and we'll sell it to you and 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 basically license it and like so like all these casinos would would have access to like the same prize pools or whatever with different skins and in the different language that you would need. Cause like, that's something I didn't think of. Like there's a big language barrier over there. People yeah. in Italy speak Italian, not everyone <laughs> speaks English, you know, but you want to have people from Denmark entering into the same contest as someone from, you know, wherever, uh, right. you know, France or whatever. And so my job for them was, I was like the, I did like the, the salaries and made sure the player positions were correct and all this stuff for soccer. But really, it was a very easy job that just did not require a ton of my time. And they were paying me way too much money, especially for as young as I was and having basically no financial commitments. So I was like, I'm, I'm fucking bored. Like, I'm just bored. And I, I love doing podcasts and I don't have to do one for my job anymore. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna start my own because I'd always... I I'd done one in the past that was just like fantasy sports. And I was like, I'm interested in way more stuff than, than fantasy sports these days. And then when I got the job at sports grid, they acquired the distribution rights for the show as part of, as part of hiring me. Yeah. So I've, I've always enjoyed, enjoyed the show. And if anybody is listening and you haven't listened to the take cast T A E K cast, um, really wish I really wish I wouldn't have called it that these days. <laughs> it's I, I I like it. I think I think it's still it's still catchy, but it's a uh, it's probably a there is there is just something about about I was I was sending so like this guy from this huge crypto firm Masari comes on the show last week, and I was like emailing his like press secretary, and I was like, yeah yeah, the name of the show is the t- the Tate Cast, and I was like, what are you fucking doing, dude? 
it's not it's it's not the worst but it's not the best either that's that's the hard part is like any business or any project that i've ever been uh involved in i i, I appreciate um for like the community the customer the person who cares about it like the uniqueness of the name like i think take cast is ironic whatever it it fits it makes sense for the brand of the show it's it's a, it's then- a good joke for the people who get it yeah. But the people but, who don't get it are like, I don't get it. Right. So it doesn't look very professional to the people who don't get it. Cause you're like, this right. just looks like a fucking idiot. You just look like, right. you look exactly. like an absolute idiot. Um, so that's, but, but I've always appreciated um, the show. Uh, I'm a little biased for sure. Because like, I know, I know you, I know a lot of your, the people that you bring on from within our little space and, and bubble. And I'm also interested in a lot of the the you know guests and stuff that you bring on because you know a lot of us in this space have a lot of the similar interests right different right. sports and crypto and all that and all that stuff and apparently life hacks is uh one that and li- yeah makes. people love the life hacks <laughs> people, people love the love the life hacks but was that the was that like the goal straight up right away to just dive into kind of all these different things that you were interested in just kind of like it's a free for all podcast on whatever you're feeling at that time so the the idea like what i wanted to do was i wanted it to be like kind of like the millennial version of the bs report which was my favorite podcast forever before mm-hmm. before simmons like he just is like look i bill if you ever listen to this or you ever meet me i love you i read i've read everything you've ever written i listened to your show for 15 years but he's just such a boomer now that it's painful mm-hmm. i mean he is he is uh what a 55 year old man with kids who are in high school, like he just, it's just too much to ask him to keep up with it all. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, if a version of this existed where people were talking about, about the same stuff, really like big, big cultural things that are happening and sports, like I would be, I would be really into that. And I wish that there was a version of Simmons that was 26 years old and and you know was like telling people they need to stake their tezos because the apy is really good like (laughs) i would be i would be really into that so that was sort of like the idea but really i just wanted to have an excuse to talk about whatever i want to talk because i was also really really getting into crypto um as like an idea at the time there was uh if you guys have never listened to it there was my favorite podcast ever is coin talk show that aaron lammer and and jay kang host and that was at a time that they were launching that show. And I was like, I could not wait for new episodes of that show to come out every single week. And I was like, well, I could do something like this. Like I could have similar guests on the show to come and talk mm-hmm. about whatever's happening. So that, cause that was also like 2017. So that was when people other than like nerds who knew how to run a node in their basement were caring about Bitcoin for the first time too. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely a, uh perfect time to start it's so funny you bring up simmons and i've heard you talk about him before but um he was just recently on one of my um in the sports space my favorite podcast the podcast that i get excited like literally the moment i get the notification there's a new low post episode out it's the best that is the best podcast yeah it is it's the best sports podcast that exists in my opinion like all any sport pick pick a sport zach is like he's the the best There's there's no one that I've found that can be such an incredible host, right? Like a host has a very particular skill set, but then he can also put the basketball hat on and communicate it well enough. Like that skill like just doesn't really exist. I could not agree more. I certainly don't have it in anything that I do. Like we're all trying to get better at that, but he's so good at it. And I love 
the game of basketball more from a fan perspective. Like you talked about, you'll sit and watch soccer. We talk like I'll do it formula one or whatever. I'll sit and watch basketball, like even NBA. And I love the kind of game within a game of the NBA and the like team building, like people hate the like super teams and shit and all that. No, I, I love, love that. Yeah. Which I, I think I is like it. in big part. And the reason I even understand it the way I do is because of his show and because of his columns. Yep. And so he, so like, yeah. If Zach, if you're ever listening to this, I've listened to every episode of your podcast of, yeah. of, of all time, and please don't go the bill the 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 Simmons the, the Simmons route. No, but I I know what I know what you're gonna say. It's like listening to those those two specifically because Simmons used to be his boss, so there's like that dynamic. It is like I mean, it's fascinating to listen to to hear the dynamics play out. But you know, Simmons will just say some wild shit that is so far <laughs> from true, and then Zach is like. Yeah, well, you know, maybe Jason Tatum is better than Michael Jordan. Like, maybe, <laughs> you know, it's it it is it's. Uh, but but when Simmons comes on the low post, it's like a very specific style of episode. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, and he is, and and I do appreciate a little bit of because I'm very hyperbolic. He is extremely hyperbolic in how he presents his his basketball takes, particularly about the Celtics. Like, you know, he was like early. He So I was pointing to this because he was just recently on um, the low post. And I found myself, I'm walking the dogs and I'm just getting to, uh, apparently I've just been triggered for the last like three weeks uh, is what I'm finding out as we're recording today. <laughs> but I'm just like, I'm just like, I'm just like triggered listening to Simmons talk about, he's like, oh yeah, two months ago, I was like, the Celtics are dead. We need to blow it up. You know, this is over. This team stinks. I'm like, they were like fourth in the East. And the guy is just like losing his shit, declaring this team, the worst team in the end. NBA, you know, he people still were people in. were people were asking them to trade Jalen Brown. <laughs> I know. Like they're they're literally the best team in the NBA right now. Now now they're playing as at, at, at that level, and now all of a sudden Simmons is just like, oh yeah, the Celtics are the best. He's like, I think the Celtics are the best team in the NBA now. I'm like, <laughs> how could you possibly think that they needed to literally trade everyone two months ago? And you know, so he, but that's a very boomer esque way to approach sports fandom, not living solely in the moment and solely from a short-sighted perspective and not kind of thinking through the long-term aspect of things. And so um, taking in all this content, like you said, the low post, listening to your show, listening to some of the other stuff that I listen to helps with that because I find myself, I don't know if you do find myself, I'll get sucked in. I mean, we just talked about the Tyree kill thing yesterday and it's really easy to get sucked in like, Oh, who won or lost this trade or, you know, how does this fit? How does that fit? And like, I really feel like that's something that can get lost in our space, particularly really, really quickly and easily is like lack of perspective on all this. Cause we're just, I mean, especially like best ball, which we'll, we'll wrap up with a little best ball talk. It's like, it's fucking 365 days a year. Now people are drafting yep. goddamn NFL teams on underdog. So like every news item breaks and it's like, you know, that's, what, yeah, that's what it. This is, this, yeah. So, um, I thought the Simmons thing was a good reference because it's a perfect kind of, uh, crossover example of some of the things i think a lot of people struggle with honestly i just don't listen or engage with that much sports content is really kind of how i deal with it is like i um like i have my my friends whose opinions i really trust and i i, I do listen to ship chasing a lot ship chasing is actually the mm -hmm. the fantasy content that i that i bring in the most but i i i actually like the same as you're saying, like, I find it too triggering to like, listen to a ton. So like, uh, I, I'll, I'll even look at my list here. So I, I do listen to soccer podcasts. Cause again, it's like, they can't really trigger me because I'm not, 
I'm not like I'm not going to get triggered by like the boomerisms in soccer the same way I would for football. Like there, which yep. there are equivalents, right? Of like, but like a, a, a non-analytics take or whatever in soccer is just not going to trigger me the way right. someone being like you shouldn't throw every first down would trigger me in football. <laughs> but like a lot of what I listen to is like, uh, you know, just like pop culture stuff, you know, TV, TV you know, whatever, true crime. Because like if I was just going to listen to fantasy football stuff all the time. I would just be mad. I would just be triggered. I'd just be like, uh, 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 and, and, um, oh, the other one is, um, uh, why am I forgetting? They've changed their name so many times. Skeets and Trey Kirby and, uh, and Lee oh, Ellis. No dunks. No dunks. No yeah. Dunks. I was, I, that, no, yeah. I was about to call it the starters, but it's not called that anymore. And right. I listen to those guys cause they just only like, they're just all about having a good time and conveying the information. Like those guys, those guys are, the best um but yeah i mean mostly mostly i just avoid it by uh not not engaging with a lot of the audio content now i read a lot like i i like if i'm like i'm on twitter this afternoon someone's like oh i just posted my top 30 prospects or whatever. i just read um jj uh zacharyson's um prospect guide and i was mm-hmm. like that's all good information to take for some reason it's like always a little bit less triggering in written form I don't know that, why that is. It definitely is. And I don't really know why why that is, but it absolutely is. And it's it's really funny that you bring that up because I'm I don't talk I don't like to talk about it a lot because there's this weird dynamic where you're in fantasy content and then my advice to people is don't consume so much fan <laughs> like that that's what I would tell people. I like stop cons- like and I know there's some people like in my Discord right now that like if, if they wanted my honest advice, I think that they're thinking too much about fantasy, about, about fantasy football. And I appreciate their enthusiasm and stuff and everything as a part of the community. But that that's what has helped me. Um, definitely, you know, if we're talking about the mental health thing. And, you you, and you just don't want to. The thing is, is you don't want to take in too much information. Like it's good to take in information, but I don't want to be hearing six different people's opinions about Sky Moore. I want to know what <laughs> right. Crane thinks about Sky Moore. And I want to know mm-hmm. like what Rich thinks about Sky Moore. And I don't need to know what 1900 people think about Sky Moore because then I won't be able to decide for myself. Yep. And so <laughs> maybe we're just advanced enough in our, um, you know, careers of, of fantasy sports, both from a content perspective and from playing to where I have the people that I trust. There's a handful of different people that I that I, I've developed a, a trust in their takes on, you know, and I pretty much just lean on those people. And, uh, you know, so like Tony says, you know, I, I consume a ton of a ton of content every every single week. And like, I appreciate you listening to this. But honestly, if you listen to me for a half a year and you decided I wasn't for you, that's OK. My the, my style isn't for everybody, but I think everybody should figure give, out. Give me your click, but you don't have to listen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just, you know, I'll, I'll try to put some good thumbnails or some triggering headlines on my stuff to make you click on it. But I really don't, I really don't care beyond that. But seriously, I, I, that, that's like my big thing. So I consume, I do consume sports content, but um, it's mostly actually basketball, like the little yeah. ghost. Like that, the, that, that's more what I meant. What I meant to say is that I don't consume a ton of fantasy content. I mostly yeah, consume sp- like, sp- like infer like infotainment sports yep. content where it's like, yeah, like I like it's more it's more of like a casual thing as opposed to like oh, I need to be taking notes. Like uh, I I haven't listened to a DFS podcast in I, I couldn't even tell you the last time I listened because there's just not it's not going to be 
useful for me because it's going to mess with me and then i'll be thinking about it when i'm working on projections mm -hmm. and it's like i just uh, i can't i can't like i i can't be doing that like it'll just mess me all up no i don't listen to it i don't listen to anything at all i feel like especially now like i haven't always done nfl shows i've, I've done nfl content for quite a while now but i haven't always like i do a sunday morning show now on roto grinders like basically leading up to lock yeah and i don't want i don't want my opinions swayed when I'm like trying to give like my real and raw takes to, to people. I don't want to come in with some skewed um, brain. I want it to be like authentic. Cause I'm, you know, I'm, it's me and Ben Gretsch. And I'm like, I just want to have a real conversation with Ben. He, he and I haven't talked leading up into that show. And so I want that to be like an authentic, like, here's what I think. No, here's what I think. And kind of go back and forth. Um, and obviously we're reacting in real time to, to the injury news and stuff like that. But um so that's kind of generally everything I think I wanted to cover, but I do want to talk really quickly. I know we're running a little over about the best ball stuff because I'm, we're about I'm, to I'm chilling right now. I don't know. We're about, we're, we're about to head into the biggest fantasy sports summer in the history of mankind. <laughs> Basically, you know, like, I mean, even you talked about like the main event, you know, this is a baseball show, but even the other season long stuff um, is probably going to grow this year. Just I think I think they already said a main event is a million dollars to first instead of half a million. I believe. See, I mean, the whole there's going to be at least three millionaires crowned, maybe more, this year from fantasy football tournaments. That's 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 that's, infl that's inflation for you, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> that is that is very that is very that's what happens when what uh, Trey Young and uh, Alvin Kamara invest in underdog. Uh, that that's the next thing that happens is all these mm, price pools. No doubt. But, how, how, what do you what are you like has your opinion we've talked a little bit about this from like the last year's shows but like what is your just like general thoughts on this space heading in like do you think we'd see uh anytime in the near future some sort of like leveling off kind of like we did in dfs or like just what are you like how are you feeling about the best ball space right now i mean or just fantasy football and the main so event like too. in general you know, I think like, I mean, we've seen this, you know, they've launched uh, basketball, baseball, like all, all these other products and no one cares as much as they do about the NFL, which is fine. Um, so like, I, I don't know if we'll get, you know, a million dollars to, you know, to first for NBA ever or, right. or in the next several years. Um, I mean, you know, eventually underdog will turn the marketing hose off from as dramatic as it is and when they do that, they will start focusing more on turning a profit. I also, uh, I mean, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna want people to be playing their pick them game. They're gonna, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't think it's a secret that they're would like to get like a sports gaming license so that they don't mm -hmm. have to do the, the pick them games and that they can just be like, do you want Trey young over, over under 24 and a half points, you know, which is a super profitable business model. And, the best ball stuff functions as a customer acquisition tool. And it's a great one because best ball is so fun, but eventually the, and this will, this will penetrate to FanDuel. This will penetrate to DraftKings and stuff. But eventually just as we've seen with DFS, you know, like we, what we didn't, we didn't what us USFL DFS. They didn't even think they were going to have it until last week. Cause Levitan like bullied them into it, but it's like, <laughs> it's like, you know, at the end of the day, the, the fantasy games are way more fun. The fantasy games are way more fun to talk about, way more fun to produce content for, way more fun to listen to content about than like my numbers say that 
the Lakers should be eight and a half point favorites here, not seven and a half point favorites. So I've got a small wager on the Lakers. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I, I just in general, I don't have a ton of the answers. My, my thought would be is that there is like a, a capped number of people in the world who want to play fantasy football tournaments. Now, mm-hmm. more people definitely want to play best ball than want to join the main event, right? With the management and the prohibitive cost of entry and like the boomer software, you know, I mean, I'll do respect to the FFPC, but the, the underdog app is just like, it's unparalleled. It's the best. It's, it's why we all, it's why we all play on underdog all the time. Anyways, even though the price pool, like literally any other best ball is way, way better use of your money from like an ROI perspective. But I, and, and another thing I, I am hoping that they do, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday is I hope they do a cumulative points uh best ball tournament maybe 100k to first instead of a million dollars whatever that would be great i'd be all in on that and then i i i wonder if they soft launch this super flex one to hard launch a super flex one after the nfl draft at some point uh because that would be that would be a lot of fun i mean i think that that format is really cool i think that's the thing i'm most bullish on bullish on because i agree basically with everything that that you said it's we're 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 so new in the for, the game formats, and that there there's so many different things that they, that they can do um, to kind of tickle everybody's fancy and keep the the big thing is like the casual Joe Schmo probably doesn't even want to play Superflex, but it's no. do them them being willing to do that and do a cumulative one and do the stupid backyard best ball one right and do right. rookies and sophomores it keeps the people. It keeps their most important customers around to keep trying something to keep, you know, doing different. New and to, to always give the content creators something to talk about like that. Like yeah. they're not, they're not paying you and I right now to talk about it, but they just have earned that right in the conversation, which is, is so massive for them. You know, that's worth whatever money they're spending right now. So I am going to hit a couple of these, these, these questions at Connors first. Um, do you think they'll make a, you know, peer to peer version of pick them? The problem is um, any potential like a, across state lines type of stuff. Um, uh, I think they, they have some issues with peer to peer. That'll be, uh, that'll I, be, that'll be a long time if it, if yeah. it does happen. Cause I, and like everyone always says this, by the way, that's like a big thing. It's like, Oh, you know, a peer to peer sports wagering marketplace or whatever, but like that already exists. And it's not that popular. Uh, people, uh, what bet, bet, fair, bet some. It, it already exists in That's Europe, fair. and not, and not that many people use it. Um, it's, it's not like it's like for sickos only. Like it's not for, it's not for, it's like, it's not for people like you and I who are just like, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I, I'd like to bet a uh, hundred dollars on on the Lakers <laughs> to win this game tonight. Will someone take my action? Like it's, it's, it, it's not like that basically. Yeah, it's really funny that uh, Connor asked that because uh, myself and a couple others actually went down the path of researching, investigating, thinking about like a peer-to-peer market. Because I do think, like you said, it, I think it's just going to be very. The government works so slow, and uh, the Wire Act is not something. It's like it's like ten. It's like ten years away at at yeah. best. And so, um, you know, the Wire Act is the. The absolutely the prohibitor to all this you know not yeah. being able to have i like like I, i'm even like you and i are really not very far apart but we just happen to be on opposite sides of of, of a state line and you and i could not bet against each other because of missouri and, and right. illinois laws um but the i do think that there's there's peer-to-peer stuff has some potential long term in the future because 
because of the um, hurdles right now, like no products are done very well from like a UX perspective. Like if Underdog did it, right? Compared to that, Betfair that is a good like, point. Yeah, it's like like the 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 user experience on Betfair is like painful. Like there's a reason why I'm like never I've never even I've never even I've never even downloaded. Like I I've never it's, even messed around with it. It's a hideous looking looking uh, you know interface and stuff. And so like if someone someone will do it in our lifetime, I think. But it's just it's so far down the road that it's. Uh, and it's not so far down the road because because no one wants to try it. It's so far down the road because there's no real way to to do it profitably um, based on current current legislation. I have a no I have other- a bi- I have a billion dollar idea. Whenever uh, that stuff gets sorted out, but either rock paper scissors or flipping a coin for people for money, and you rake like point zero five percent of the wager, literally a billion dollars a year, literally literally a billion dollar business. So. Uh, I, don't, I, don't I, need, if, I need to patent that. I don't know if I'm supposed to even tell this, but I don't give a shit. The the DK guys at the uh, we just had the what was the most recent one? Fantasy Football World Championship, I think. Anyway, we're at the the live event for the Fantasy Football World Championship. We're out on one of the nights um, with the DK VIP guys, and you know, so sometimes we ask them questions about their VIPs and things that they do, you know, they're, they're, they're taking care of all their best customers, but now it's not just DFS people, you know, honestly, us DFS people are kind of peasants compared to the big whale sports betters uh, and stuff like that. And what they actually said, the true whales, like whales from a VIP perspective, not necessarily whales from like making money perspective, but how much they dump onto the site are like the people that play the slot machine on their app. hundred percent. So 100%. it's it's those people, you know, the people playing blackjack and and slots and the stupid casino games on on the DraftKings app. And so to your point, yeah, people just want people are degenerate gamblers and they just want to get action in. They on, just want to get a little stuff. bit of action. Yeah. Right. There's there's we're sitting on the, the shitter or on our couch making DFS lineups or whatever. And they want to like just get they just want they just want to gamble on on anything and so and anything like that will probably be successful if it has the right the right uh backing behind it so we've gone a little a little bit over but what are your what's your kind of plans moving forward same status quo kind of as as last year just chugging along with sports grid and fantasy football stuff or you got any like fun exciting plans for the next six months before football hits honestly honestly no i'm getting married in august so yeah. I would I would prefer for this to be a very business as normal year for me <laughs> in uh, in working and in and and finance and and all I mean if, if Bitcoin wanted to uh, you know exponentially appreciate bit. in value that would be fine <laughs> yeah. uh, but other than that I would I would appreciate life to be very static because uh, I don't want to I don't want any big life changes to be happening in the same year I'm about to get married that would not be tight for for many reasons <laughs> well buying a house uh buying a house yep, did that to, to shout out. for that one right that was that was, that was shout out Hero. shout out to Amazing. shout out to me for not really planning for my taxes doing my taxes yesterday and being like fuck <laughs> I haven't. I still haven't. I still haven't started because it. Uh, again, How, however me. annoying, but, however annoying you think it's going to be, it's going to be more annoying. So much. Dude, the the, so the, the cap worse. the cap gains on some of these things I've sold. It's like un. It's like unbelievable. Like I'm paying. I know. 
I'm like funding a, a senator's vacation right now. Like I'm paying for their <laughs> vacation to the Maldives. It, it, it's so tilting. I'm I'm unbelievably tilted. I know, and that 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 tells me we talked about all the we talked about twenty different things that that tilt and trigger us. That that's the worst one when it gets down to tax time. I, I I can suffer through getting my ass kicked on DFS slates or or losing GPPs by a half a point or a catch or or the stupid ass three hundred yard bonus or whatever. Like I, I've I've been through that, but this now like especially you know in the the crypto world that we live in now, like it makes it just so much worse when you're gambling investing in in you know uh crypto and different assets that you didn't even know existed however many years ago and the country is not really uh, uh you know evolved around it is the well, most it's miserable. just like and the, the way because the way it's written it just and it's like look i'm paying my taxes i'm not gonna i'm not i'm not gonna try and not pay my taxes but it's right. like something very simple of like you know i bought it's, it's like I bought, you know, $8,000 of Ethereum and the way, the, or just, this is just an example, but the way it gets treated is like, I just profited all of that money when realistically it was like, basically just holding it as a stable coin or whatever. It's like, it's like my, mm -hmm. my Coinbase 1099. It's like, it's just a nightmare and it's not the way, it's not the way it should be taxed, but it just, it just is what it is. And it's like, it's honestly part of why one of the reasons why I'm like, down for congress to figure all this stuff out because it'll be good like it's gonna there are some things about the crypto legislation that are going to be painful but like these are all things that are going to get resolved when the nerds all sit in a room and write these bills out yeah definitely so that that pretty much pretty much wraps us up make sure you go if you're i'm sure you already are but if you are not go follow davis on twitter at davis medic subscribe to the take cast it's a, this is not uh, me, you know, just patting Davis on the back because he's here. I, I highly recommend it. Um, if you watch this, you're, it's probably something that you're interested in a lot of kind of similar conversation. Um, one of the podcasts that I listen to uh, among things that we talked about, I'm not very into fantasy football and, and those kind of podcasts, but the take cast is, is one of them for spike week for our, our spike week folks. We're doing a fun. If you didn't watch last night's show, we're doing a fun, um, experiment tomorrow we're doing a fun show rob coakley at king coakley is joining me tomorrow and there are four different sports in the underdog lobby right now for best ball drafts we are going to simultaneously draft a team in each single one so at the exact same time we will be doing a super flex nfl draft an nba playoff draft an nhl playoff draft and i know about eight players and they're all on the blues in the nhl Perfect. and an mlb regular season best ball draft so uh sometime late afternoon 4 35 o'clock ish for that one so make sure to join in for that one i'm actually kind of i don't know if i'm looking forward to it um but i think it'll be it'll be fun and crazy so for myself and and for davis and for and for for rob tomorrow my guy we will catch you guys later